Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Crillo. Today we have Brandon Silvera. Brandon is a fourth generation farmer and real estate investor. He has bought and sold millions in real estate and currently manages over $100 million in assets. Brandon's specialty is in farm management, land acquisition, and a variety of farm and land financing strategies. So thank you so much for being on the show, Brandon. Thank you. I appreciate it. So you have a very interesting asset class to, to us, to our listeners, and I wanted to kind of break down how you got into it and your background, both personally and professionally, prior to being involved in real estate investing. Sure. Uh, well, I'm, you know, we are, uh, like you said, fourth generation farmers, so uh, kind of born into it, I suppose. Uh, went, to, went to college and got an agricultural degree and came back and uh, started working with my dad doing some custom farming things for other farmers and um, started buying land and, and uh, selling land and just getting to know the intricate details of farmland and, and different farms and, and whatnot. So um, that's that's kind of how, you know, I got started. Um, um, you know, I got really interested in the, the investment of, of agricultural and farmland because um, it's very unique and it's mm. It's a it's a great investment. It's it's very rewarding um, as far as you know what you're growing and 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 feeding you know the world is it's it's a uh, makes you feel good kind of investment as well. So I, I really dug into it and really enjoy it. Awesome. So you uh, obviously four generations into this. And uh, what was your first real estate investment? And uh, what was it? And how did it turn out? Well, see, my very first real estate investment was actually a uh, a rental house. Uh, that I bought, uh, I, I bought with money that I made playing in a band, <laughs> believe it or not. And then I, I sold the rental house six months later, the market was going crazy. This is like 2006, seven. Right. And, and then I did a young farmer rancher, uh, loan and which is available through the USDA, which allows a lower down payment on a ranch. And I bought a small ranch, uh, with, with the proceeds from that. And it's, I mean, just kind of started from no money to a little bit of, you know, I, I can't remember what I made off that house, maybe $20,000, right? And, and, the, and the USDA a DA loan allowed me to, uh, to, to buy that piece of property and, and just start growing from there. It was pretty cool. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. So give us a little background on your current business, Farm Funder, and what, what do you guys do? Yeah, so Farm Funder is, uh, is, is basically crowdfunding uh, farmland. So we're just doing fractional ownership in, in farms because uh, historically farming is very capital intensive. It's expensive to uh, buy a farm. It's expensive to develop a farm. Um, and, and, you know, long hold periods, you know, especially if you plant a permanent orchard, you may not have a cash uh, yield for five or six years sometimes. So um, there's this barrier of entry, I think, where a lot of large institutional investors had started to come into farmland, but, uh, you know, if you wanted to get in at a lower amount, you know, under $5 million or under even a million dollars was just, you know, the, the opportunities weren't as available. And I really saw a lot of deals 
that were available that weren't getting picked up. So you'd see a 500 acre ranch sell, but you wouldn't see a 80 acre ranch sell. Um, so, you know, I knew people were interested. I know I, I knew people wanted to buy farmland. And, you know, when I told people I was a farmer, you know, other investors and other people would say, hey, this is, this is amazing. I wish I could farm. And it really just kind of morphed into, well, you know, these farmers need capital. These investors want to invest in farmland. And, and I, just, I just thought that it would be best for the, you know, the farmer and the family farm and, and a cool way to get people into uh, this asset class for a lower amount. So, nice. uh, you know, farm funder, you can invest in, in one of our farms for as little as $10,000 and up. Um, you know, we have a lot of investors that invest more than that, but uh, um, we also do a, uh, a farm finder program where if you're a larger investor and you wanna own a farm on your own, uh, and, and, you know, you're specific to a commodity or, you know, you want a more personalized farm that's yours. Uh, we'll go out and we'll find the farm for you. We'll buy it for you. We'll, we'll run it. We'll manage it for you and give you all the proceeds, uh, you know, from that farm, but it's your farm. So if you decide you wanted to sell it tomorrow, you could sell it tomorrow. You know? So, Oh, interesting. That's an interesting. Yeah. Program. Uh, so I want to kind of go through why farmland is such a solid investment for real estate investors that probably have never heard of it and they're interested in diversifying though. And a couple facts I found from your website, farm returns have averaged more than 12% since the Great Depression and the US loses 500,000 acres of farmland every year. So that's, I mean, that shows that, uh, you know, the, the product out there is diminishing and showing that it looks like it has very solid returns. Yeah, returns have been good, um, uh, you know, over the long run. One thing I, I think that investors need to know is that, you know, there are these small cycles uh, where, you know, farm, farm uh, returns go down, but then they, they peak up, you know, and so they'll go down and they peak up. And it, it takes, you know, anyone who wants to get in farming for a year or a couple of years or something like that, I would just say, don't do it. <laughs> it's not, that's not going to work. Uh, you know, you really got to hold on. We prefer 10 years uh, uh, or longer. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you, you want to ride out the short cycles of, of uh, commodities. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, farming has historically been a great, you know, inflation hedge. Uh, you're, you're producing a product. It's a hard asset, right? And the hard assets, uh, as you've seen with uh, the excessive amount of money that's going around, have been peaking. You know, <laughs> it's, it's been kind of crazy. Um, and, and then, you know, when the dollar gets weak and, and you see that inflation, the, the commodity that you produce, those prices tend to go uh, quite a bit higher uh, with inflation. So uh, I, I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why farmland has been such a good investment uh, over time. Uh, but it's, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's historically a safe investment if you don't over leverage yourself. Leverage in a farming operation. So if you if you do uh, apartments or anything like that, a seventy or eighty percent leverage may be something that's common. Um, we wouldn't recommend anything ever over sixty. And and for our investors, if if we if we leverage something, we want to be in that forty to fifty percent mark. Forty is really really a good uh, a good mark. That that way we don't have to ask for capital calls uh, if we have a bad yeah. crop year. Uh, so that, that's kind of where we're at. So uh, I kind of see what the, what the whole process looks like. So what types of farms are you guys looking to acquire? 
And are, are there specific ones in specific areas of the country? Yeah, so we, we want to focus on a little bit higher of a, of a cash yield. Uh, so if we're not developing a farm, uh, which would be buying open land and developing it to a pistachio or an almond orchard mm-hmm. or some sort of a nut crop orchard, we want to buy an existing orchard uh, that has a decent cash yield. Uh, and then, you, you know, we were trying to realize that appreciation of the land as well. Um, we haven't been focusing on row crops because, uh, you know, the corn and soybean market, which is finally turning around now, but um, had been somewhat stagnant. So the, the, the cash yields have been sort of low and we want to keep them up. It's, I don't like putting things on the platform that's a 2% or a 3% cash yield. We, we want to try and get it up to, you know, 6 or 8% cash yield and then, and then have that appreciation of the orchard that we're going to realize and try and get those investments up to a 10 plus uh, return, um, ideally, uh, you know. So that's kind of what we focus on. So mostly uh, we're, in, we're in California. Uh, we, we focus mostly in California. We're looking on some uh, other deals right now out of state. Uh, but there are also permanent crops, uh, uh, permanent plantings that are out of state. Uh, but we really like permanent plantings because um, they just seem to be strong. You can you can take advantage of the market when the demand goes up. You know, if the demand goes up for uh, say uh, an almond uh, almonds around the world, you can't plant them and have a crop in 30 days. You got to wait four or five years. So. Mm-hmm you know, there's a, there's a huge benefit to capitalizing on owning and producing nut crops when that demand goes up. So we, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do in the long run. Interesting. How do you guys usually find your farms? Um, it just depends. Uh, some are uh, pre-funded, you know, we're, we're looking for anything that's off market. It, some stuff is coming to us. Some, sometimes we're searching out looking for land in good water districts, uh, um, land that maybe we know the farmer wants to sell through word of mouth. Um, some stuff we do find uh, through through brokers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's 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 there's such a demand right now for farmland that uh, it, it's not. Uh, if you see something listed, it may be overpriced. Mm-hmm. Or it probably is overpriced. So uh, it's it's a real game of trying to negotiate that price down or finding something that's not listed. Um, but mostly it's through a network of connection of different brokers and, and, and word of mouth and, and knowing other farmers. Interesting. Interesting. So when, how's the value created when purchasing a farm? Are you changing crops? Are you upgrading irrigation and other uh, things on the farm? It could be, it could be all of the above. So, um, you know, we like to find young trees that are uh, on the cusp of producing. So you usually can get those at a little bit, uh, uh, better of a discount uh, because they're not fully in production yet. So you're not getting that higher cash yield. And, um, you know, we, we, we put uh, uh, capital into the farm for, you know, two years, three years before we get to a full production. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we get to full production, we've created that value uh, uh, in that farm. And, and yeah, like you said, uh, um, there's, there's, there's permanent orchards that are, flood irrigated that we can put on drip systems and save on, uh, um, save on water costs, things of that sort. Um, you know, there's a, you know, one thing I really like is finding uh, a farm that say it's hundred acres and 50 acres are in a, pr- are producing uh, trees. 
uh, and the other 50 acres is open ground, we can develop that and add value by planting an orchard and bringing it to uh, production. But then we also get the cash flow from the producing trees and we have really good depreciation. So we can depreciate uh, a lot of these uh, uh, producing trees uh, right off the bat. So uh, you, you have a, a good tax benefit, but then you also get a, uh, a cash uh, dividend at the end of the year when you sell the crop. So it can be pretty, pretty fun. Interesting. So what's the normal time frame on a, a normal farm investment from acquisition to the start of distributions? And as you said, I, I don't imagine there's a, the majority of it comes one time throughout the year, but mm -hmm. um, how does that usually work? Yeah. So, uh, you know, if we, if we put something on the platform and we, we, uh, once we close escrow on a farm, it, it all depends on, you know, the time of, the time of year, right? So if you, if you buy something in uh, um, July, uh, when you close escrow, are you buying the crop that's on the tree? Are you not buying the crop? That's you? So you might actually buy something in July that you don't take possession of it until December. So you won't have a, uh, uh, a cash return for another, you know, say year and a half. Um, we try not to do those. We try and, you know, negotiate buying the crop that's on the tree. So we harvest that crop and get a, uh, a cash uh, a dividend to the, uh, uh, you know, to the investors as soon as we uh, close escrow. But it's about mm -hmm. once a year, um, we, you know, depending on what the market's doing, it could be, we hope for January, but we've held uh, nut crops into February, March, and even April. Um, so you're looking in that first to second quarter after the first of the year that you're going to be paid for the crop, uh, the previous mm -hmm. crop year. Interesting. Okay. And uh, is like, how are you minimizing risk and uh, protecting capital? Like what type of strategies is there insurance that goes with it? Is there anything else like that? Yeah. So uh, uh, luckily uh, uh, farmland has uh, crop insurance. So we're always, we're always buying uh, possibly the maximum, uh, possibly around the maximum. We, you know, we price it to where we think the orchard is uh, is going to produce, and if we have any, uh, what our inputs in that orchard are going to be. But we we are lucky to have a uh, a federal crop insurance program, so we put everything in the crop insurance. And then, like I was saying before, we try and hold low to no debt. So our our uh, previous two offerings, we actually have no debt on on those offerings. So um, uh, that just you know any kind of wild yeah. swings, we know uh, that that we don't have this large. Uh, uh, land payment that we have to make. So uh, those two, and then, and then, you know, just good care of the soil, always making sure that we're doing whatever the crop needs to, uh, to thrive. Awesome. The, you talked about uh, tax uh, we love tax breaks here as real estate investors, but uh, tell me about uh, when you do have financing on some of the properties, what, um, what does that look like? And where is that coming from? Is it coming from a government-backed agency? Is it coming from a local bank? Um, it just depends uh, who, who has the better rate at the time. Uh, so there is a Farmer Mac uh, product out Farmer there. Mac. And uh, Farmer Mac will uh, guarantee 80% of the loan to the bank who underwrites uh, that hmm. loan. Uh, even, but it's 80% of whatever the bank decides. So it's probably, <laughs> let's just say, 60% uh, loan to value. Uh, and the and the farmer Mac will will have uh, you know guarantee eighty percent of that, sixty uh, percent if that makes sense. Um, uh, you know we've done we've done quite a bit under that uh, 
under that model. And there's also the, uh, the, the federal land bank uh, program, which uh, was enacted by Congress uh, many years ago. And it's, it's sort of a co-op. So uh, when, you, when, you, when you buy through this, uh, uh, this bank, the federal land bank, you become a member of the co-op. So you get dividend payments back and they're very competitive. And, and, and one thing I like about the, the, the land bank uh, loans is they're just, that's all they do is, uh, is agriculture. They do nothing other than agriculture, livestock, dairies. Um, so they, they get it and their underwriting is good and they understand uh, how to underwrite uh, a farm loan uh, when, when some other banks may, may not understand or may not even want to. So uh, th those are our go-tos. Nice. Uh, I like the idea of having very little, if any, leverage on it and uh, going long term. So what is the exit strategy with these with these investments? Is it that you're holding it for 10 years and then you're selling it? Are you holding it for 10 years and holding it for even longer than that for cash flow? I'm usually what do you guys what is your plan from the beginning? So depending on what we invest in, we have a set exit period. Um, so, for example, we bought uh, we bought a young almond orchard and we have a 10 year exit period. And, and, and we want to, we put seven to 10 years because we want to have that sort of, we may get out if the market's good in year seven and the appreciation is great. We may want to get out. Um, if it's not good that year, maybe we saw a dip in uh, commodity prices. We may wait till year eight, but we want to have a defined exit period where we just sell the farm completely and move into something else. Um, now we do have some development opportunities that we're, we're developing from scratch. So we're putting some pistachios in now and the pistachios will not produce uh, until you know, year six, seven and eight uh, when you get to a full production. So you're holding on to a lot of cash but the appreciation of these pistachio orchards is, is, is very good right now. So we're buying the land at a good price. We're putting the inputs in to develop the orchard and holding on to it uh, you know, uh, for till year five and then we're either going to sell the orchard or we're going to give the uh, uh, owners of the orchard an opportunity to stay in at the appraised value mm -hmm. or exit uh, at that you know, appraised value. So if they want to stay in, they can. Uh, if they want to exit, uh, they can get out uh, and, and realize all that appreciation. So um, we, we try and structure it so there's options. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a really, really good investment uh, and we think pistachios are going to stay strong after they're producing, then we... Uh, you know, we would say, hey, hey, we think you should stay in. This is going to be a, a, a great cash yield. But if they don't want to, we'll give them the option. Um, uh, and, and we'll let other investors uh, uh, buy that share of that orchard at the appraised value if they if they like. Interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. I usually see that where some some groups like uh, we'll allow some of their shares to be sold. But I always tell people, hey, you know, you've already been in for the risky part. Now, you know, as the longer you own this, the less risky it's going to be. Right. So it's something that maybe you think twice, uh, you know, it's, it's a possibility, but maybe you think twice before you actually do that. But um, interesting. So what are, uh, common, what are common mistakes that you see that maybe other farm real estate investors make? Um, I, I think right now... Uh, you know, water is, is key. So if, if I see any uh, mistakes right now, it's, 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 it's planting in areas that uh, does not have sufficient water or um, uh, 
getting too small of a ranch where the depth of water, if you have to drill a well or something like that is very deep and it's very, you know, it can really mess up an investment. Um, so, I mean, if, if I see any of these mistakes that, that it, it's usually around water or it's usually um, over overpriced. I mean, I see when you have sort of a frenzy um, which it's actually been a, a little bit better in the last uh, year, but we're really starting to see it kind of pick up right now. Um, uh, but you, you know, we, in, in the past, you've seen uh, people just pay astronomical uh, amounts for land, which you know now may not be okay. But but they didn't get mm -hmm. to see that appreciation, yeah. um, you know, five or six years ago because what they paid for the land is what it's worth today. And I see a lot of those uh, uh, happening. So I think you have to buy right and, and make sure that you have enough water for the, for the, for the long run. When you're, say you, uh, you plant those pistachios and go six to eight years, what kind of maintenance is happening in the first, other than watering, obviously, but in the first few years on that? And uh, is there a large team that's required on site for that? Uh, so... Uh, there's a, it, it's, it's not terrible, but there's, there's considerable amount of maintenance. So, you know, we're irrigating mostly weed control, mm -hmm. fertilizers and pests, you know, so we're going to, we're going to take care of any uh, uh, type of insects that might be bugging the trees. We're going to prune the trees uh, to get to, uh, um, you know, the shape that we want and, 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 and maximum production. Uh, and, and, and you wouldn't believe when you're when you're farming an orchard all the, the little things you wouldn't even think about. Uh, for example, uh, the coyotes could come through and eat the lines on the uh, on the drip system that we put in because we put drip emitters at each tree uh, to save on water, and you know things like that. So it's just general maintenance uh, that that we're that we're doing. Um, it, it does require a, a, a you know quite a bit of uh, tractor work and and labor, uh, but. You know we're we're working in uh, you know economies of scale here, so we're taking care of a lot of land. You know we're hiring crews that, um, for example, to prune our pistachios that are pruning twenty thousand acres. So they come through, they prune our pistachios in a day, they're out, they go to the next uh, the next farm. So um, it's 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 a lot of work, but it's uh, very manageable uh, when you're when you're in it. Is there any like, uh, do you guys do any like wine vineyards or anything like that out being in California? Um, we don't offer anything currently. The wine market has not been great uh, uh, lately. Uh, I think a little bit of overproduction of wine and, and, and didn't see some of the demand that uh, uh, we thought was coming, but I think it will be a lot better in the future. Um, uh, but we personally have not done any on Farm Funder. I, I personally have some vineyards and uh, mm they're okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they, they have not produced as well as the, as the nut crops have here, here in, in, in California. Uh, now I'm, I'm all, I'm also speaking of certain regions. Uh, you go to Napa, completely different. Uh, you go to the Paso Robles area mm -hmm. and depending on if you're, uh, what region you're in in Paso Robles on the west side or the east side, the, the prices of grapes are completely different. So it's very, you, you know, have mm -hmm. all these microclimates that are, um, uh, priced accordingly right you know according to the quality so uh, it's a it's a whole different game I, I would love to put some really cool uh vineyards on the uh platform but we just haven't yeah. found anything that's worked yet as i think there's a an emotional 
aspect uh, <laughs> to vineyards uh, and wine, but yeah. I, I don't want to, unless I know, I don't want to put the, the risk up there, you know? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's just interesting to, uh, to see, cause you, you go to these places and you see these vineyards and stuff and you, you just wonder as a, you know, as an investor in other parts of real estate, kind of how this works and what kind of margins and how, I mean, how you do any of this, you know what I mean? How you're pricing anything. So it's very interesting, but um, what do you think are some of the main factors that have contributed to your success, Brandon? Um, passion. I mean, it's, 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 it's uh, you know, I, I love it. I, you know, when, when, you, when you have nothing to do on Sunday, you go to the farm and, and you, you look around and you see what's going on. So I, I think that's probably uh, the number one reason is you, you have to really enjoy it, uh, especially in the agricultural world. You know, at times it could be unforgiving, you know, but it's, uh, uh, it's, it's really a cool, cool occupation to be in, uh, whether you're, you know, buying or actually farming or, or how you're, how you're doing it. But that's, that's, I'd say that's number one. Interesting. Yeah. Unlike other real estate investments, uh, the people that what you're dealing with every day is not people, not tenants. So that's actually kind of, that's a nice change uh, from that. So how can our listeners learn more about you and your business, Brandon? Uh, the best way would be to go to the website, uh, go to uh, uh, farmfunder.com. Uh, and, and there's no E in there. So that's F-A-R-M-F-U-N-D-R.com. Uh, send us an email at info at farmfunder.com. Uh, we're here daily. So we'll, we'll, uh, any questions you have about anything we're doing or just in general, um, you know, also when we have investors, we encourage them to come out and take a look at the ranch. Mm -hmm. Um, and we've had people come by and, and take a look at not just their ranch, but hop in and, and do a tour of just all the different commodities that are growing around here. Um, so we, we want to make sure we can accommodate, uh, you know, anybody in that way, if they want to come out and take a look because it is pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds awesome. So thank you so much for being on today. I'll put all those links into our show notes and uh, looking forward to connecting you uh, here in the future and hopefully out on one of the ranches. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hi, guys. It's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at ScheduleCharles.com. That's ScheduleCharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars, LLC, exclusively.